Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Mail Order Monsters, which was a listener submission from Lewis Wellington. So thank you, Lewis, for sending this in. If you have games you would like to hear about on Sprite Castle, send them to me, and we will put them in the queue. Do you know what famous company two of this game's programmers originally met at? Listen to this week's episode to find out the answer to this trivia question. Before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Well, first of all, I just found out it is Commodore 64 month. So uh, if you love the Commodore 64 as much as I do, go tweet about it on Twitter with hashtag C, I believe it is C64 month. And you can also follow, there is a C64 month account out there. And if you follow that, you'll find uh, lots of people out there talking about the Commodore 64 this month. So, And if you found out about Sprite Castle from that, then uh, welcome to the show. If you don't know me or haven't listened to any other episode of Sprite Castle before, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, my name is Rob O'Hara. Online, most people know me as Flack. Uh, I am the author of the 2006 book Commodore, Sorted Tales from a BBS Junkie. I uh, am a longtime Commodore 64 owner and user. I got my first 64 uh, back in 1985 at the beginning of seventh grade. And I still have that 64. It's still the same one. It's still hooked up on the desk. Uh, And through the years, I've been through lots and lots of uh, different Commodore 64 adventures. And I have lots of spare hardware and spare stories and, and, uh, still enjoy playing the old games and talking about this, uh, fine little system that is still with us today. So, uh, if you are new to the show, then welcome and, uh, jump right in. Sounds like you already have, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, Oh, there's a new podcast out called the Amigos podcast. I just saw this and, uh, it turns out John Schaller, uh, who I know online as boat of car is behind this. He and his buddy, uh, have put together a English speaking podcast about Amiga computers. And that's really a hole that's been out there for a while. There are several Amiga podcasts, but a lot of them seem to just focus on the music and a lot of them aren't in English. So this is, um, uh, a new podcast. You can find it at, uh, amigos podcast.blogspot.com. Or if you just go search, I think on Google, I found it by typing in Amiga amigos podcast, or you could go to SpriteCastle.com, look on the right-hand side under the links, and I've added a link to the Amigos podcast, and it's good stuff. They have two episodes out already, and uh, if you had an Amiga, or if you were like me and your friend had an Amiga and you're really, really jealous, uh, then you could go check out the Amigos podcast and listen to those guys talk about the history of the machine, and uh, they've kind of taken that similar game-by-game approach where they're playing a game on each episode and talking about that, so... Uh, good, easy, fun listening. So go check that out. Speaking of game by game podcasts, uh, Shinto, who I knew from his submissions to the Atari 2600 game by game podcast has started his own podcast about the Atari Jaguar. Uh, but more, uh, I won't say more importantly, but, uh, the point of <laughs> this little news blurb is Shinto has set up game by game 
And so you can find his podcast, this podcast, uh, I think the Amigos podcast, and all the other game-by-game type podcasts. And by that, I mean these podcasts uh, where people play, they stick to one particular system and they play a different game for that system on each episode. If you want to find all of those, there's a big inventory of them. You can find them all on GameByGamePodcast.com. So go check that out. Uh, and you can find they're, – they're split up by uh, system. So there's arcade podcasts that are in that format, uh, all the different Atari consoles. And maybe you'll find one uh, that you want to do a show about as well. So go check that out, GameByGamePodcast.com. And all these links uh, will, of course, be in the show notes. So if you go to SpriteCastle.com and look at the current episode, you will find all these links that I'm mentioning uh, there's a new Commodore 64 game, or it's not new. 1985 is not new, but but it was uh, just recently cracked and uh, trained, and it is uh, Scarabius. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. It looks like Scarab, which is Egyptian, and then B-A-E-U-S. So is that Scarabius? 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 <laughs> uh, you can find uh, – I'll add that to the show notes, but it is a 3D dungeon-type crawler game from 1985. So for all you uh, Quake players and Doom players and uh, people that think that was groundbreaking, yeah, we were doing it in 8 bits back in 85. So uh, that's uh, that game's out there on the, uh, the Commodore Scene database, and I will add a link to that. And speaking of games, RGCD has just launched their 16K cart competition. This is the fifth competition. Uh, you can find out more about that at rgcd.co.uk. Um, they also have links to all the other games that have been submitted for all the other uh, cart competitions, so you can play those. And this uh, th- this is great. I love these current game submission competitions because people are still writing Commodore 64 games. And then we as users, uh, we get to, um, uh, you know, get the benefits of that by downloading brand new games and, and uh, playing them and you can uh, send your reviews and all kinds of stuff. So it just um, stimulates the economy, so to speak. So um, I'm glad that they're doing a fifth uh, version of their competition. I can't wait to see some of the games that start coming in for that. Reset, the Commodore 64 easing, uh, was just, uh, they just released issue seven and, uh, it was a tribute to zap 64. So if you're in the UK, you'll probably love all the references, uh, to zap 64 as someone who grew up in the U S as a Commodore fan, I never saw zap 64 until, uh, until I got on the internet, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the first place I ever saw or heard of that magazine. So I was much more of a uh, compute gazette and run type guy, but, uh, it is the 30th anniversary of zap 64. And so, uh, issue number seven of reset is dedicated to, uh, zap 64. And you can find reset over at reset.cbm8bit.com. Uh, and, uh, you can download the latest issue in PDF format or read it online. There's lots of different, any format you can think of, they've pretty much translated it, uh, into that format. Vinny, uh, has teamed up, uh, Vinny, my man from Hackersoft, uh, who is releasing, he has, uh, teamed up with, uh, Commodore is awesome to release his crazy hacks, just released a crazy hack of Bigfoot. This is not a game that I remember playing. I may have seen this, but it was uh, if I did, it was really hard and I don't think I played, I'm, I may have just tried it just because of the name, 
the Bigfoot name. But anyway, uh, there, there's a new uh, uh, one of Vinny's crazy hacks of Bigfoot, which has 23 hacks built in. Uh, and you can find that on the CIA website or through CSDB, either one. Uh, and f- let's see. Oh, next to last here, I was going to mention the Emergency Chicagoland Commodore Convention, the 2015 uh, Commodore Convention, which takes place in Chicago, is coming up. That's going to be at the end of this month, August 29th and August 30th. And um, you can find more information about that on their website at starbase.globalpc.net forward slash ECCC. Or you can just go to Facebook and search for uh, ECCC, I think, Emergency Chicagoland Commodore Convention. Or I will add... Uh, the links, like I said, to the show notes. I attended one of these several years ago, I think 2006, 2007 maybe, and it was a blast. Lots of Commodore-centric guys hanging out. Uh, there was a lot of space. It was in a big hotel room. There were uh, hardware and software uh, for sale. There were demos. And most of all, there were a whole bunch of people there that all love the Commodore 64. So uh, if you are near the Chicagoland area, and free that weekend, you might want to go check out the uh, Emergency Chicagoland Commodore Convention. And finally, uh, I would throw this out. Congratulations to Hank Chin, who uh, just apparently, according to my Facebook feed, won uh, Donkey Kong Off 4. So uh, congratulations to Hank. I don't have his score here in front of me, but I went to the Kong Off 3 in Denver, and it was... Um, it was interesting to see everybody competing on Donkey Kong, and then I found out pretty quickly that it was boring to <laughs> stand around and watch other people play Donkey Kong. Uh, it's fun to watch it for a few minutes at a time, and the guys that are in those competitions are really, really good, um, much better than I will ever be at Donkey Kong. But uh, So congratulations to Hank Chen. I know that he... Um, was a world record holder at one time, and uh, at one point I thought he was going to drop out of Donkey Kong competitions, but based on this, it sounds like he's back. So, Anyway, let's move on to the king of the castle. This week's king of the castle is Mr. John Justice. Mr. John Justice correctly guessed the 8-bit song at the end of the last episode, which I intentionally made difficult, and uh, he still guessed it on the first day. (laughs) But uh, the song in the last episode, which was 720, was Possessed to Skate by the Suicidal Tendencies. So uh, there's your your skateboarding relation. Uh, I did have a lot of guesses for Kickstart My Heart. I had more than one guess for that. And then I had several guesses for Metallica songs, um, which I suppose wouldn't be, uh, you know, I guess it's tied to that era, the mid eighties skateboarding area, but, uh, possessed to skate was the actual song. So congratulations to Mr. John justice. If you would like to be the next episodes, King of the castle, all you have to do is correctly identify the secret eight bit song played during the show's closing credits. The song will not be from the game discussed in the episode, but will relate to the episode's theme in some way. For example, possessed to skate in an episode about seven twenty. Once you've identified the secret song, the first person to send that song title to me, either through Facebook, Twitter, email, or the show's voice mailbox, will be crowned the next king of the castle. All of those contacts are listed in the show's closing credits. And those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy, who just broke up a fight between my two neighbors. All right. 
boy, what a headache. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Mail Order Monsters features a lot of different types of monsters. There's a lion bear, there's an amoeboid, uh, and I was going through all this while I was playing the game, and then one of them is crab. And I thought, oh, man, I have not had crab legs in a long time. So uh, Saturday night, it was Friday night, Saturday night, uh, we went out with the family, and uh, we went to Catfish Cove, which was a... uh, a lovely little uh, catfish buffet. It's uh, kind of expensive, actually, but um, uh, especially for kids that would rather eat corn dogs and french fries. But we went to Catfish Cove, and uh, they did have crab legs. And so I had some crab legs, and so I sat around eating crab. And, and while I was eating, I was talking to my wife that I would uh, that later that night be recording an episode of Sprite Castle and, and uh, why we had chosen there. And she thought the entire thing was dumb. Uh, but too bad for her because I got crab legs and I got to talk about it on this podcast. So thank you to Catfish Co. Well, not thank you. They charged me. It's not like they're <laughs> not like I'm getting free crab legs. That's what I need a sponsor on the show that'll give free crab legs. But anyway, uh, so uh, as I played the game later, I did play as uh, a crab, and I thought about those delicious crab legs from Catfish Cove. So anyway, that's enough about uh, crab legs. Let's get started talking about mail order monsters. Mail Order Monsters was published for the Commodore 64 in 1985 by Electronic Arts. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. According to MobyGames.com, Electronic Arts published 79 games for the Commodore 64. Their earliest games were from 1983, and that included Hard Hat Mac, Mule, which is a classic game that no doubt we will be covering on this show at some point in time, and Pinball Construction Set. Their last game, released for the Commodore 64, was 1991's Budokan, The Martial Spirit. Uh, Glancing down through the list of games that Electronic Arts released for the Commodore 64, that included, um, oh my gosh, there's just so many classics here to mention. Um, Archon games, uh, uh, Bard's Tale games, Battle Chess, Demon Stalkers, Heart of Africa, Jordan vs. Bird 1-on-1, Legacy of the Ancients. Lords of Conquest, Marble Madness, Neuromancer, um, Realm of Impossibility, Racing Destruction Set, The Seven Cities of Gold, Skate or Die. I bet we cover all of these at some point, uh, depending on how long this show runs. Uh, the Sky Fox game, Starflight, Wasteland. Oh, man, what a great game. Uh, so Electronic Arts, I know today they are seen in a different light, and if you are in your 20s, uh, you probably think, uh, first of all, what are you doing here? <laughs> Just kidding. We love to have you. But uh, even people in their 30s may think of electronic arts as being the enemy, the devil, uh, people that, you know, are, you know, they're known now for putting out year after year of sports games and things like that. But there was a time where electronic arts, when you saw that on a on a computer game, that meant uh, quality. That meant that it was going to be a good game. And, um, so this definitely comes from the earlier 
era of electronic arts. This game was programmed by Paul Reich III, Evan Robinson, and Nicky Robinson. Paul Reich III worked on the original Archon games uh, with Freefall Associates. He also worked on Archon Ultra, Adventure Construction Set, and Star Control 1 and 2. And most recently, he worked on some of these Skylander games. So Paul Reich III still in the game. We have Evan Robinson and his wife, Nikki Robinson. Uh, Evan worked on, both of them worked on World Tour Golf together. <laughs> that was from 1985. Uh, Evan's most recent credits look like uh, NHL 95 and Tony LaRusa Baseball 95. Nikki Robinson worked on The Last Ninja from 1987. She worked on a slew of 3DO games, uh, and she also worked on Star Control. The music in the game was done by Tommy Dunbar. He also did the music from Archon, uh, both Archon titles. Uh, looks like he did sound for lots of sports titles, and he also worked on Star Control 1 and 2. According to the instruction manual, in 1980, Evan Robinson moved from California to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and one month later, Paul Reich III also left California for Lake Geneva, where the two of them both began working at TSR Hobbies, which you probably know from their quality Dungeons & Dragons games. So that is where these two programmers first met. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the cover and the manual of this game. Now, I don't, uh, in, I guess in other episodes, I haven't talked a lot about the packaging, uh, but this is the first uh, record album style game, I believe, that I've covered. And if you know what that is, that was the electronic art style of packaging that almost looked like a vinyl record album, like a dual album, because when you pulled it off the shelf, it opened up uh, into a book. And uh, the front cover is really fun. It looks like a package that you would mail. It has a stamp in the upper right-hand corner that says Mail Order Monsters. Uh, and then the uh, package part, there's a... I'm just going to call him Godzilla. I'm guessing it could be a generic dinosaur. <laughs> What's that joke from uh, Austin Powers? You know, where they're like, oh, it doesn't, it's not Godzilla, but it could be that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, this is supposed to look like Godzilla. He has uh, all kinds of weapons hanging off him. Uh, he has binoculars. There's a rope with a grappling hook. He has a, a morning star. And uh, he's also wearing headphones. And uh, he just looks pretty cool. And um, also on the front package or uh, the front of the box, we have the programmer's names, uh, and you're going to see that a lot in this one. The uh, programmers uh, had their name all over this title. When you open it up like a book on the inside, there are pictures of the weapons that you can buy in the game. Not all the weapons, but just uh, a sampling of them with little descriptions. There's the uh, grav gun, the the Lay's pistol, the mine sink. Um, and then on the right-hand side, in the little spot that would be behind the part that holds the floppy disk, are a picture of the three programmers again. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, we've seen their name on the front cover. <laughs> we see it on the inside cover. We're going to see it several other places as well. On the back of the package, there are three different screenshots. And I think the point of these screenshots, if you read the description, is to show just how many variables are in this game. It mentions uh, that there are 12 different monsters to choose from. There are 20 enhancements, 15 weapons, 6 defenses, and 9 additional choices along with 8 exotic battlefields. So they're really pushing that idea. Um, and, you know, when you're in a store, 
and you were to pick up this package and look on the back, that's what you would see is all these different numbers. Uh, and you would think, oh, you know, there's a lot to this game. So that's a, a pretty good selling point. There's also a small uh, warning disclaimer on the back that says, warning, Mail Order Monsters Incorporated does not guarantee the survival of any monster who enters the matter transmitter for a trip to the Proving Grounds. May the best monster win. That's funny that they say Proving Grounds because that immediately makes me think of uh, wizardry and the Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord. So I don't know if that was a term that was commonly used or not, but that's, uh, uh, that's the very first thing that makes me think of. After loading the game, the title screen comes up. You have the title at the top that says Mail Order Monsters. Then it says buy, and it has the programmer's names right there. So, um, uh, again, like I said, uh, you're going to see that a lot here. And then down at the bottom, it says this game is copyright 1984-85 by, and it has the programmer's names. <laughs> so their names are literally on the title screen in two different places. So I, they, I guess they just really, really wanted to push uh, that this was made by these three people. There's a little animation on the title screen of uh, the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex and uh, and it goes through, it's animated, so it's showing you the different processes that you'll go through when you play the game. And it shows that you can choose a body, that you can improve the traits. Then it says choose some extras, choose weapons, bestow a name, and then it says ready for competition. And when it says ready for competition, he gets really small and, and scrolls off the screen. Uh, so just by watching that, you have some idea as to what you're going to be able to do in Mail Order Monsters. We see the function keys are linked to different options. Function one toggles between one player, two player, and demo mode, which is no player. So this is one of those games that you can literally have the computer play against the computer, and you can simply watch. So that's um, pretty interesting. On F5, you can toggle between the three different modes, which is beginner, intermediate, and tournament. And the manual explains that beginner is like free trial <laughs> because basically you just pick a monster and there's very little tweaking and then you go fight. Uh, intermediate is rental. So you are renting these monsters, but you can uh, spend money to increase them. And then uh, tournament mode is like, mm, I guess we'd call it like a career mode uh, for today and that you, you get a monster and you build it up and fight it and, and go on. And, and over time, as you get more money, you can buy, uh, you can actually build a stable of different mail order monsters, uh, that, uh, you can keep in your corral and use, uh, however you see fit. F7 starts the game. So let's go through easy mode here on easy mode. Uh, the first thing you do is you pick a morph and you give it a name and then you start fighting. Now there are looking at the menu here, 12 different, um, types of creatures to choose from. There's Tyro, Bronto, Hominid, Lion Bear, Arachnid, and Carnifern, Worm, Squid, Amoeboid, and finally Crab, Wasp, and Pterosaur. And then when you highlight those with your joystick, it gives you a little brief Description, for example, Carnifern, it says, Carnifern is an animated plant with a continuous supply of energy, whereas a lion bear is a speedy and well-equipped with claws and fangs. Uh, and there are smaller icons whenever you highlight over them, and then whichever one you're highlighted, it draws a much larger uh, picture on the right-hand side where you can see the details of these creatures. Once you have chosen uh, the morph and given it a name, you head right into battle and you will see a far away, very far overhead, um, almost I would call it an Ultima style map, but that just dates me. Um, 
And uh, there are yellow and red squares on the map, and yellow is player one, I believe, and red is player two. And so you move around the map, and if you're just playing the normal mode where you're trying to fight the other guy, then you're going to want to move your little square over to where they are, and you're going to fight. Now, there is some strategy in this. If, For example, if you are a, um, a squid, <laughs> which is one of the choices, you want to fight the other guy in the water because you're going to be much faster in the water versus uh, a lion bear, who's probably not a very good swimmer. Um, whereas uh, there are other ones that uh, morphs that move uh, more quickly on dry land or in air. And, and there's all different kinds of choices. So you, you kind of want to use a little bit of strategy as to where you're going to fight the other morph at. The controls are very simple. The four directions of the joystick move you around while uh, a button and any direction attacks in that direction. There are lots of different types of attacks, but basically you can rule them all into either uh, melee, like hand-to-hand -hand ones, or things that shoot. That's the easiest uh, way to think about the attacks. If you are standing still and you press the button twice, you pull up a little menu. And under that menu, you have the option to change your type of attack. Uh, go to the map, use uh, a device, or turn your defense off. Now, as a kid, I never understood why you'd want to turn your defenses off. But after reading the manual recently, uh, some of the defenses use energy or make you move slower. So if you're trying to get out of a particular predicament, I suppose, uh, you might want to turn your defenses off. Now, you can get to this menu either from the, uh, the uh, faraway map where you're moving around or during combat. But... While you're accessing this menu, you can't move or attack or do anything else. So it's kind of dangerous if you're fighting somebody else and you pop into that menu. Uh, you better be pretty quick and know your way around it uh, to be you know, changing your options while you're actually fighting someone. Uh, so that is basically the gameplay, uh, especially in easy mode. You're going to roam around that map, find one another, land on uh, some sort of terrain, and then fight to the death. The intermediate version, uh, or intermediate uh, difficulty level, I would say, is uh, that's the one that I said is rent to own. So you start out with some money. There are psychons in this game. So you start out with 1,000 psychons. Uh, and you can spend that on weapons or upgrading, adding features uh, to your morph. So that it's a little bit more configurable. It's a little bit more fun. It almost reminds me of... Uh, Ghostbusters, in which you, you buy your car and then you add the different features to your car. Uh, it's, it reminds me of that. It's similar. Um, then you pick uh, what kind of uh, terrain you're going to fight. or uh, No, you, you pick um, the type of contest. Yeah. So, um, for example, there's destruction where you just are going to fight to the death. There's one called the Horde, which is almost like Space Invaders, where there's other enemies coming down and you and the other person have to fight all of those enemies and not let them reach the bottom of the map. There's a Capture the Flag, uh, in which there are, I believe, 10 different flags. And, and uh, when you show up, when you move to the flag, that's when you find out what number they are and the flags have to be collected in order. So there's a lot of different game variations built into Mail Order Monsters, especially in the two-player mode. You can play this lots and lots of different ways. Finally, if you really want to turn up the fun, you could go into tournament mode. Now, in tournament mode, you only get 500 Psychons, so you only get half the amount of money uh, to spend. And also, everything you do is saved to disk. So once you create your uh, your morph, those are all saved, and you can come back and play them later. Uh, but also, if they get killed, that gets saved to disk, too, and uh, you'll have to start all over. 
In tournament mode, when you play, you can actually set different rules. Like you can say, um, you know, on this fight, there are no chemical attacks. Or on this fight, uh, there are no mind control powers. Things like that. And uh, so that really makes it interesting if if you know what the, you know, if you and your buddy play this a lot and you know what powers that their morphs have, uh, then you could try to set up the, uh, uh, you know, the game to be in your favor. There's also a setting in there that's uh, if you turn it on, you both agree to it. It's a no surrender mode. Now, if you surrender, you you still lose, but you get to keep your morph. But in no surrender mode. When you die, you lose your little monster. You can also set uh, a best out of so many rounds. So you can say like best two out of three, best three out of five or whatever. So um, uh, just, you know, again, more variables you can set. Now, uh, once you're building your morph, here's some of the things. uh, Right off the bat, what you do is you have to assign points. So this is kind of like if you've ever played Dungeons & Dragons or really any RPG where you build a character and you assign points to your different traits. Uh, and your uh, morph has armor, muscle, speed, mind, and life. Now, as a kid, I don't think I knew. I knew what all those were. Uh, armor is obviously your, like an armor class. Uh, muscle is how strong you are. Speed is how fast you move. Life is the same as hit points. But I don't think I knew what the mind was. Um, but it says uh, in, the, in the manual, it says, the ability to reload more quickly after firing. So I suppose if you're smart, you, you know how to do that a little bit faster. And then uh, once you've set up that, um, you go to your morph extras. And they are divided up into four groups, but there are 11 different types. Um, but the four groups, the first one is means of movement. Uh, and that has things like uh, to be able to burrow. like So that helps you get under... Um, uh, hills and, and other obstacles that may be in the play field. Gills are the one that I mentioned that help you move through water. Um, and there is one called teleport, and that allows you to move quickly in any terrain. Uh, the second group is means of attack. And uh, the ones listed here in the manual are spit and sting, which are projectile attacks. Web, which is a chemical attack. And psi blast. Uh, which is a mind control. Those are all ones that you shoot. And then also there is, uh, let's see here, fiery breath, the shocking electro touch, <laughs> which is really funny, claws and fangs. Uh, that's uh, things that help your beast foo, it says. But those are all uh, close melee weapons. Then you have your defenses that you can add. There are anti-thump, uh, which protects you from physical attacks. There's anti-energy, anti-chem, anti-projectile, and anti-size. So you can add any of those to your morphs if you have enough money to do so. And finally, uh, there's a group of natural aids. Um, and the, these are all a little different. Uh, for example, there are hands and tentacles, which you have to have to operate certain weapons. So if you, for example, if you have a... a um, Oh, a worm is one of the things. Well, worm doesn't have any hands, so you can't buy a laser pistol and use it because worms don't have hands, but you can buy hands. <laughs> uh, and then some of the weapons require tentacles because they, they I think the multi-laser requires tentacles because there's a lot of different things, I guess, uh, that you would have to do to operate a multi-laser gun. Uh, what else here? We have the, the weapons, uh, all their weapons are there. Um, you have all your hand to hand stuff. You have your laser guns, all that. Uh, and then you have your sundries that you buy. That's ammunition and also food, which is really ammunition for, uh, physical attacks. Uh, any of these things during gameplay or later on when you're back in the stables 
can be sold back uh, for 50% of what you paid for it. So if you want to change your morph later on, buy a different weapon, things like that, you can sell weapons back. Um, so that that's pretty much it. Let's get to uh, the reviews. I looked up a few of the reviews on Lemon64. Commodore Horizons gave this game 7 out of 10. Home Computing Weekly gave it 4 out of 5. And your Commodore magazine gave it 8 out of 10. So it was a pretty well-liked game. And I would say that it has aged pretty well, too, especially in um, a two-player mode. Some people have complained that there's not a lot of depth to the fighting, and that's true. And if you've played Archon uh, and you have your two pieces of fight and you run around a, a zoomed-in version of the screen, that's it feels very similar to the fighting in Mail Order Monsters, which uh, Paul Reich III worked on both titles, so that's not really surprising. But that's kind of what the uh, the fights feel like, so there's not a whole lot of depth to them. Uh, different ports. This was released for the Commodore 64 in 1985 and then for the Atari 8-bit line of computers in 1986. But that's it. So if you want to play Mail Order Monsters, you better have one of those two types of computers. I suggest the Commodore 64. <laughs> and now let's get into a little bit of my own personal memories about this game. Monsters is one of the games that my friend Jeff bought. So I remember playing the original of this. I remember looking through the box and the, the artwork and the things in there. And it's really cool because it, it looks like they made little miniature clay weapons on the uh, actual artwork on the inside of the box. So they went through a lot of, of work to make that. And for something that's just, it doesn't add to the gameplay. It's just something interesting to look at. So I always remember uh, enjoying that and, and enjoying that style, the uh, record album style of packaging that Electronic Arts used. I remember that uh, Jeff and I had our own discs for storing our morphs on. And so um, that was one thing that you didn't get uh, on console games so much. Uh, we couldn't play Super Mario Brothers and then go home. I mean, we would get together on a weekend and then each of us would go home and then the next weekend, we couldn't get together and just pick up where we left off on Super Mario Brothers. But we could on these computer games, especially ones that allowed us to save our, our morphs and do that. So I think we each had copies of the game and we would build up our monsters and then get together on the weekend and, and fight them against one another. So it was a, a fun kind of competition and um, just that ability to uh, be able to you know, build your monsters up and then fight your guy against uh, your friend's guy and see how it turned out. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun. For graphics, I give Mail Order Monsters 3 out of 5 hand grenades. I don't think the graphics are great, but then again, this game doesn't really need them. For music, I also give the game 3 out of 5 hand grenades. The music is good, but there's just not that much of it. For sound effects, I give it 3 out of 5. I almost went with 2 out of 5, but 3 out of 5 is average, and so I'll give this game average. But for overall gameplay, I'm bumping it up to 4 out of 5 hand grenades. It really is a lot of fun. 
uh, especially in two-player mode where you can go and and there's a lot of depth to it, especially if you do the the advanced, the tournament or career mode and, and build these things up over a long period of time. You can play against the computer and it's okay, but playing against a friend is really a lot of fun. So it's definitely a game that I would recommend checking out on the Commodore 64. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. The next game I will be covering in honor of Rowdy Roddy Piper is 1987's Micro League Wrestling. If you would like to play Micro League Wrestling before the next show is released, head on over to SpriteCastle.com and click the downloads link at the top of the page where you can download Commodore 64 emulators and all the games that have been reviewed on the show so far. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Sprite Castle or leave a voicemail on the FLAC podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the SpriteCastle.com RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know FLAC, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows at robohara.com forward slash podcasts. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the right-hand side of SpriteCastle.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to fighting to the death, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.